0: I'm thankful that uh, God's word allows uh, for things to be done by proxy, and so I don't necessarily need to be the one uh, administering the table or baptism or even uh, giving the blessing, and so that's, uh, uh, in my condition, that's a good thing. Uh, The less uh, time I spend projecting in the pulpit, uh, the better I feel, hence the reason uh, we're uh, taking a break from <clears throat> from practicum, well, this morning, the handout that you should have uh, is a continuation of what we started last week, which I've called a punch list, and so you should have a worksheet that will help you uh, follow along as uh, we go through that or continue to go through that here today. Raise your hand if you don't have that. Does anyone need a punch list? Got one in the back here, very back. Anybody else? Okay, let's go ahead and ask the Lord's blessing on our time, shall we? Father, thank you that, <clears throat> that we can continue with freedom. And as my older sister asked for prayer or prays for earlier, that, um, that we do get to come here, that we're here today, that you've given us the ability to be here today in your house to worship you. We're thankful for that. We know that there is a blessing that is afforded to us in doing that if we receive by faith what it is that you communicate to us during this time. Father, we pray for those who are among us who are not saved. We pray that through the power and the preaching of your word, through the testimony of your people, that they would give their lives to your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, if you direct your eyes to the top of the the worksheet there, you'll see how I'm defining this term punch list. It is a list of those items that remain outstanding or undone and must be completed to finish a job and receive final compensation. Applying then that to the Christian life, no Christian can die with a punch list intact and expect to get to heaven. In other words, we must finish... Our punch list. And uh, I mentioned those verses that are listed there last week. Revelation chapter 3 verse 2. Jesus makes uh, this point very clear by saying, I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. And so uh, we need to take... A serious consideration of the things that I'm going to talk about with you here today, again, is a continuation of what we started last week, since I believe the items uh, that uh, we will be discussing uh, are things that uh, remain on some of your punch lists, and so uh, please, as uh, we go through this list, uh, think or consider whether these things are true in relation to you, things you need to take care of. By way of review, the first five points very quickly. Number one, ditch the skirt. Ditch the skirt. The biggest reason there is so much feminization, role reversal, and even gender confusion today is because men have vacated or abused their position. What do I mean by that? Well, they're acting more like women than men and God calls men of course to act like men we saw that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13 which means ditching their skirt like or women like behavior what does that look like well you don't cry when you get picked on as I said last time or at least I believe I said this last time even as a a young boy in my home and my parents we're not christian per se and uh, even then we knew and we would get in trouble we would be we would be spanked if as a boy i cried because i was picked on what else it looks like you cry when you uh, don't get your way or things are scary or fearful or rough that's what today we would call man suicide You want people to uh, not view you as a real man, go ahead and cry when you get picked on or when things don't go your way or they're scary or fearful or rough. Here's another thing you don't do if you're going to act like a man. You don't mope, you don't panic, you don't fall apart. You don't let fear paralyze you or keep you from going forward in doing the right thing. This we saw picked up in places like Joshua as well as Jeremiah In Joshua, God says, be very strong and courageous, which, as I told you then, is uh, essentially uh, this phrase that we find in 1 Corinthians 16, act like men, in the Hebrew, it just means that be very strong and very courageous, and courage is is that you uh, a person who is courageous is a person who though they are fearful in that moment, they don't allow that, f- that fear to paralyze them. They go forward in doing the right thing. And In Jeremiah, we saw that what it means to act like a woman is to be one who panics when things get rough or scary. You don't do that if you're a man. You don't vacillate in your convictions or your beliefs. You don't become fickle in your commitments or throw temper tantrums. Fickle, you want to quit every time it gets tough. You don't get angry at the righteous when they rebuke you or correct you. You never feel sorry for yourself. Play the victim, make excuses, or decide again to quit when faced with adversity, especially the adversity caused by your own sin. So again, the first point, ditch the skirt. Men, if this is you... This is the item on your punch list you need to get rid of. Adding to that, teach sinners your ways. That's number two. According to David's words in Psalm 51, those who have been forgiven or are truly repentant demonstrate it by drawing closer to the covenant community and speaking openly of their failures as a means to dissuading others from following down the same path. That's what I mean by teach sinners your ways. And again, David speaks of this in Psalm 51. You talk openly about it. As a means to uh, keeping them from going down the same path as you. So not approving of those things, but just the opposite. You use it as a ministry to others. This is what it means to come to the light. As John 3 says that... Those whose deeds have now been wrought in God, they they come to light. They're they're transparent with their lives. They're open, even about their failures versus uh, being weird or aloof. Number three, imitate, don't ignorate. We are, as we saw many times, commanded to imitate God or Christ in everything that we do. I read it just this week in 1 John chapter 4 verse 17, as he is, so also are we in this world. Which means the excuse, I don't know what to do, will not work come judgment day. We are instead to always be asking the question, what would God or Jesus or even Paul, who as he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1, that he was an imitator of Christ, we are to be asking the question, what would they do? And follow suit in our actions. And if we don't know what to do. Or what they would do. Then we need to go to God's word and figure it out. Again we're called to imitate not ignorate. And by ignorate I of course mean that you just play the excuse. I don't don't know what to do. As though ignorance is somehow again an excuse. Number four. Be a sponge not a shield. And let me just say again, as I said before, all of these, you need to be asking yourself the question, are these items, or maybe additional items, on your punch list that you need to take care of? There are two types of people, I told you this uh, last week, you can divide the people that get saved into essentially two groups, sponges and shields. Sponges are those types of people who... That they come into the church and they're super excited to learn everything they can to be around the saints as much as they can and to change wherever they need to change. It's all positive to them and they can't wait to have their lives maximized for Christ. Shields, uh, though they are excited and eager to learn and be with the saints and even change, uh, it's all only to a certain degree. They have limits in respect to all of those things due to loyalties or commitments in relation to their old life, whether that be their biological family or family traditions or hobbies, etc., etc. They guard the continuation of those things in their life like a shield. And God wants us to be sponges and stop being shields. And finally, number five, by way of review, uh, get your head in the game. I told you this last week, Satan is looking for people who, whose heads are not in the game, who are wandering aimlessly through life. This is First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, which means we need to make sure that that's not true of us. Too many casualties have been the result of this very thing, people not having their head in the game what having your head in the game looks like, constantly being aware, assessing your current situation, your mission, your purpose, and what that situation, mission, or purpose requires. Constantly being aware. Hey, what's going on right now, today? What does God require me? What's my purpose in this moment? What's my mission in this moment? It means also recognizing that What in one minute may be okay, in the next is not. In other words, if you are awake, you are on the field of play. And therefore you will be judged. There's no timeouts in the game. There's no breaks in the game. Every waking action or lack thereof is a a winning play or a losing play. That's how we're to view our lives. That's how we're to view our lives. Well, that brings us then to uh, the new material for today. Here's the sixth item on the uh, punch list. Stupid is as stupid does. Stupid is as stupid does. The saying comes from a movie called Forrest Gump. Some of you remember that movie. Stupid is as stupid does. And it is spot on. What truly identifies a person as stupid is not how they look or sound. And If you remember the movie and what Forrest Gump looked like and how he sounded. Because of that, people thought that he was stupid. But by that saying, what he's saying is this. What truly, again, identifies a person as stupid are not those things, but what they do, their actions or decisions. The the solution then, the solution to stop being stupid, or more specifically, stop making stupid decisions. Take the time to understand the context, take the time to understand the context In which something is being communicated or functioning. And I'm sure you're going to want to write this down. So I'll say it again. Take the time to understand the context. Or understand the context. That would be the short way to put it. Understand the context. Or maybe even shorter. Context. For what is being communicated. Or how uh, something is functioning. That's how you stop being stupid or making stupid decisions. You need to understand what's going on, which means understanding uh, the context, either of what's being communicated or how something is functioning. And that applies to any and all disciplines. Again, the context of what is being communicated or how it functions. Let me give you a couple of examples. Here's the first. I think both of these will be uh, highly relevant. Especially as it relates to uh, our kiddos and uh, going to school. Uh, where to go to school. Where to go to school. So you're, uh, you're trying to make that uh, particular decision. And uh, uh, you, uh, you have really two choices before you. Uh, I can go to a prestigious school like uh, the School of Mines. So using the Colorado examples here. Uh, I can go to the School of Mines, but if I go to the School of Mines, my GPA is going to be about a 2.5. Or I can go to CU, and my GPA will be 3.5. Okay? How do I make a decision, or how do I keep myself from making a stupid decision as it relates to uh, those two colleges? One is far more prestigious than the other, but if I go there, my GPA is lower. How do I determine that? Well, What's the context? Well, the context in this case is the world that we currently live in, which now puts a huge, huge emphasis on your GPA versus the school that you went to or where you got your degree. And so uh, the right answer is you need to go where you can get the best GPA. You need to be the big fish in the small pond versus the other way around. Another example, again related to this issue, Uh, taking out loans. Should I take out the, uh, the max amount for loans and get through college quicker, or should I take the minimum amount of loans, work the maximum amount of time that I can, and take longer to get through school? What's the context for that? Well, one particular context for that would be uh, putting that out into a 10-year a cash flow or net gain uh, 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 spreadsheet. And when you do that, what you find every single time is that the, the, the difference in net gain or the disparity between uh, going to school for a shorter period of time, which means you have a, a longer period of time of, 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 of real earning or we might say degreed earning, the difference between that, which means taking max or the max amount of loans versus minimum amount of loans and, and, and extending that, to that period of time that you go to school to six or eight years, the difference between those, the disparity between max loans, max loans being the best way, is between fifty and $200,000. What am I saying? That's how much money you will lose... If you take the minimum loan, max work plan. The context determines what the right answer is. The context. So as it relates to scriptural support for what I've just told you. Well, Proverbs uh, chapter 2. The first uh, 11 verses there. Uh, it's all about Getting understanding, and uh, the understanding that it's uh, referring to there is, of course, the context of what is being communicated or how something functions. What's the context? You can't understand uh, anything without understanding first, or determining or discerning the context. Hence the reason Proverbs 14.8 says the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way or to discern his way. The context. It's interesting. Per God's providential design, the original manuscripts of the Bible, so the, uh, the ancient Hebrew as well as the uh, ancient Greek contain no spaces or punctuation. So if you look at those original manuscripts or what we're told about the ancient Hebrew manuscripts in this case, uh, they, they follow this particular pattern. Uh, there are no spaces, so it's, it's, it's run-ons. Uh, you have all the words, and in most cases, they're like in the Greek. When you look at the Greek, uh, the copies uh, that we have today in our existence, it's all uh, caps. It's all in capital letters, not because they're yelling at you through the script, uh, but, but it's all capitals, and there's no spaces. I remember doing this as a kid on the back of cereal boxes. They would put sentences together and they would have no spaces and it was your job to decode what was actually being said. Well, that's how the scripture uh, was written. It's, It's sometimes referred to as scriptura continua. And the reason I believe that God did it that way is because it forces the reader to first look or to discern the larger context because that is the only way to determine how to separate the individual words or what punctuation they should have. It forces you first to do that. In other words, you are making the decision as to what to separate based on the sum of everything being communicated. In other words, based on the context. This goes back to uh, an example I used last week in relation to something else. The, 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 the little sensors we now have in our cars for telling us that someone is in our blind side. Or whatever. Whatever. All of these types of things, and uh, I would even argue that uh, spacing between words and punctuation uh, don't help people become smarter, uh, especially as it relates to reading comprehension. It makes them, uh, it makes them uh, dumber. And so again, why? Because we lose the need to look at the context. And context again is the way, understanding the context of whatever it is we're trying to, uh, trying to figure out. I need to understand the context in which it sits. What is being communicated? What is the context? Uh, how it functions? What is the context? What is the context? Number seven. By the way, this goes back to what Elon Musk said, I told you, as it relates to form versus function and the way that you think. That's all we're talking about. And as Elon Musk said, it takes a lot more mental energy. So for those of you who don't know how to do this, or maybe you've been accused of being stupid or making stupid decisions, this is where you need to put the time in. Start using the brain that God gave you to consider the context and to truly understand things. Instead of just running roughshod over everything in your life. On then to number seven. Again, uh, here uh, is number seven. Hell is paved with good intentions. Hell is paved with good intentions. Too many people in this church still live under the idea that God will be lenient uh, with them even though they fail, uh, believing as long as they have good intentions or genuinely wanted to do the right thing. So again, you 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 have this mindset uh, that uh, yeah, you know you're failing, uh, but God knows your heart, right? And uh, because of that, uh, because you 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 tried, we might say, because you you wanted to do the right thing, uh, God is somehow going to give you a break on Judgment Day, right? That you're going to stand there and God's going to be like, yeah, you you basically failed your whole life to get it right. You, you kept. Fumbling and bumbling into the same sins over and over again. But here's what I know, because I'm God. I know that you really didn't want to do those things. I could see your little itty-bitty heart, and I could see that your heart didn't want to do those things. And so because of that, well, you're going to get at least half credit, right? No. No. We know that's not the case, which means we don't want to get caught in that evil lie. Uh, good or genuine intentions to do the right thing, to be obedient to God, but then failing most of the time that temptation comes ends, and hear me when I say this, ends in the same place as the person with bad intentions. It ends in the same place. You need to get that through your thick skull. Some of you really do. Because you, 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 you're, you're believing this lie. You're kidding yourself with this idea that, well, I wanted to, uh, but every time the rubber meets the road, when it really counts, you don't do it, right? So it's the person who hears the pep talk, and boy, this week is the week I begin my diet, or the week that I begin my exercise program, and then until uh, uh, Tuesday now there's a cheesecake in front of them, or it's raining outside, or, right? And uh, they don't do it. You understand that on Judgment Day, it's it's a pass or fail for every day of your life. And essentially what that's going to look like is, is if you've got too many fails versus passes on your final record, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. And the only uh, factor that changes that is the day you get saved. The day you get saved, everything you did prior to that goes away. So the beauty of that is, is you become a new creation. You start a new life. You start the race anew. But if you keep failing after that, if that's what your life is, it doesn't matter. You see, God doesn't care that you had good intentions. Hell is paved with good intentions. Now, let me support what I've just told you. Matthew twenty-one. Matthew twenty-one—a text that uh, I'm sure you've uh, read before, uh, but probably never thought about in this way. And yet, this is exactly, exactly what Jesus is teaching. Matthew 21, it's the parable of the two sons that we find starting in verse 28. Jesus says this. <clears throat> this is to the, to the chief priests and the elders, to the Pharisees, as we're told, who in Luke's gospel rejected the plan of God for their lives. He says to them, what do you think? A man had two sons, And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Notice Jesus' question in verse 31. Which of the two had good intentions? Is that what it says? No. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. What's the point? Well, the point is exactly what I'm telling you. Hell is paved with good intentions. The question is not, who had the good intentions? If that's the case, uh, the answer is not the first, it's the second. The second says, I go, sir. He had good intentions. But he dropped the ball. The first son, on the other hand, he had bad intentions. I will not. But afterwards changed his mind and went. What does God care about? What your intentions were or whether you, you did it? Right? Doesn't matter that it's Tuesday. It doesn't matter if that's how you feel or the cheesecakes in front of you. It's whether or not you, uh, you, you, you did what you said you were going to do or, or even, for that matter, uh, you chose to, to do against what you said you originally were going to do because in, at the end of the day, your intentions don't matter. What matters is, again, what you did. Notice that. I mean, drink it in. Here, you've got just a, a short span of verses, but so clear is the message. Which of the two sons did his father's will? And uh, the point, notice Jesus says, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. They're going to heaven. You know why? Not because of what their intentions were or, 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 or what their past was, but because of what they're now doing. Intentions don't matter. Intentions don't matter. And as I've said, my concern, pastorally, for you as your shepherd is, some of you, you still live in that space. You think somehow you're going to get before God, and and God's going to be like, well, I can see that you had all the right intentions. And that somehow is going to give you an excuse. It won't. Instead, what's going to happen is, and it'll be Jesus that you're before, uh, is uh, he's going to take you to this very text. What do you think? That'll be the question you'll hear. What do you think? Which of the two sons? And then he's going and then the, here's how he's going to personalize it. Which of the two are you? You're the son that said, I, w- I will go. But you didn't. And according to this parable, and just imagine Jesus is doing this. And he's like, help me understand here. Which in this parable the two, uh, which of the two got into heaven? That's what a lot of men become women, right? Because they stand there and they begin to cry. Because they understand which of the two they are if they drop the dang ball, right? Hell is paved with good intentions. This may be on your checklist. I don't know if it is. You need to get rid of it. Stop the good intention stuff. Stop thinking uh, this is what's going to make it okay on judgment day. You're failing. You've been failing. For many of you, the reason you've been failing goes right back up to what we talked about as being a sponge versus being a shield. You continue to be a shield. You continue to guard your life from changing too much. And as a result of that, you're constantly dropping the ball. It's also related to the fact that uh, you're always making stupid decisions because you're too lazy to take the time to understand the context of anything, whether it's communication or how things function. But you somehow put yourself to sleep. You, uh, you, you comfort yourself with, God understands my heart. God doesn't care about your dang heart. It's what you do. It's what you do. Number eight. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. The two people, the two people that listen most to what comes out of your mouth is God and yourself. God and yourself. Which means two things. The verse is this. Everything you say can and will be used against you on judgment day. In that final court of law. That's Matthew chapter 12 verses 36 and 37. Every careless word spoken by man, right? That's what Jesus says. Every careless word. Which means God's listening to everything. There won't be any I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it that way or that's not what I meant. Those words Jesus says will either justify you or condemn you on that day. Everything you say can and will be used against you. The second thing that means, by saying that what comes out of your mouth, the two people who listen most to that are God and yourself. here's the part related to self, everything you say is programming your brain and your body to think and act accordingly. Everything you say is programming your brain, your body, to think and act accordingly, since we are, as I've said many times, self-programmed robots. We are programming ourselves by what we say. Uh, fascinating to uh, to think about, and I, I would also say terrifying to think about based on some of the things that, comes, uh, that come out of our mouths. Hence the reason that uh, James can say that if a man can control his tongue, what he says, he is a perfect man. Now just think about that. The, the way to be perfect, the way to program yourself in that direction is based on what you say. Because your brain and your body are... Listening to what you say. True true or false, by the way. True or false. You are listening to what you say. And your body, again, your brain, is acting according to what you say. You are programming yourself based on those things. Hence the reason that people who are always pessimistic or tend to always use words like this, I can't, or I don't know, or I don't know how, end up being very debilitated people, people unable to get very far in life. Did you know that? When you say, I can't, or I don't know, you're telling not just the person you're telling that to, those things, you're telling your brain and your body, I can't, I, I can't. You've put yourself in a very self-defeating place by doing that. I don't know. Your brain hears that and says, okay, we don't know things. Your brain hears I can't. Your brain says, we can't do things. Your brain believes that. Because what you say, your brain listens to or believes and programs again you accordingly. Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinks, so is he. I can't do it. That's what I'm thinking. I can't do it. I can't live the Christian life. It's too hard. Guess what happens? Self-fulfilled prophecy. It's too hard. As a man thinks, so is he. Like I said, very fascinating. At the same time, very terrifying. Uh, Different types of limitation studies. This is what they call these, by the way. Limitation studies. Different types of limitation studies have demonstrated this. Uh, people who told themselves they could only lift a certain amount of weight or for so many reps would find that the muscle gave out at or around that weight or number. Likewise, people who convinced themselves that they could only run so far found their bodies giving out at or around that mileage. Whereas, in contrast to when these people told themselves something else when they told themselves they could lift more or run further, they actually did. There was a study where they put the uh, the cyclists on some stationary bikes, and all they uh, put in front of these uh, cyclists, and there was a, there was a for, their, uh, uh, for, for the pool that they were using to test this, uh, there was a group of that uh, particular uh, pool uh, that was... Uh, what was put in front of them was a smiley face. That's it. In front of the other people was a a frowny face. That's it. Guess what they found? The people who had the smiley face in front of them performed far better than those who had the frowny face. What they were thinking affected what they did. As a man thinks... So is he. And taking again that one step further because words come out of where? Your thinker. Out of the heart. Right? Out of the heart comes the words of the mouth. So watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. What you say you believe and you will be affected by. This, of course, becomes most important in relation to morality or truth, especially since studies have also shown... Here's another very fascinating study. Studies have also shown that how we recall or speak about past or present events is only taken from the original event the first time we recall it. Which, is, which means this. All recollection after that only goes back as far as the last time we remembered or recalled it. So essentially what your mind is doing is, after that first time that you recall that original event, it is replacing that original event with a copy. The copy of how you remembered it, whether it be right or wrong. Which means, if how you determined to remember it, because you were not careful, uh, caused you to somehow twist it. What your brain will tell you every time you pull that file back up, is this is what it was in the original. You perpetuate, in other words, the lie at that point. This is what we call a revisionist history. And this is how it happens. Again, if we do not portray things or people accurately, then what gets perpetuated and what we perpetually believe is a lie or constant slander of other people. So once more, watch your mouth. in league with that, you do not have the right to your opinion. You do not have the right to your opinion unless your opinion lines up exactly with the evidence, which means being able to supply the evidence when questioned or changing that opinion once conflicting evidence is presented. This is the two or three witnesses that we see in places like Deuteronomy 17 and Matthew 19. It is a command. Someone says, well, the evidence doesn't uh, stack up with what you're saying. And, and you'll hear people say this, and, and maybe you've done this, and if you've done it, you need to repent of it. We're to be people of truth. And you've said this. You've said, well, that's just my opinion. Not anymore. Not if you're a Christian. Not anymore. Every word, every careless word, judged. Your, pre- your opinion, and we've talked about this story, is not some kind of free zone where you get to think or just speak whatever you feel or like. We again must be people of truth at all times. And it doesn't matter the subject. This is another one where we think, uh, well, as long as it's not theology or spiritual things, uh, I I can say whatever I want. Maybe some categories where people tend to operate at least this way. Uh, Nutrition or health. Here's another big one. Sports. My team is the best. Your team are cheaters. Says who? Do you have the evidence? No, but I just don't like them. Slander. That's what that's called. Does anybody really want to go to hell because they slandered a sports team? I mean, how... You talk about stupid is, stupid does. There it is right there, right? You're in hell because you decided to take a position. I don't like so-and-so because they're cheaters. The evidence doesn't support it, but that's what you want to say because that's what every, every idiot on the web is saying. Slander. That's my opinion. No such thing. It's either true or it's not true. You say, well, I don't know which it is. That's also, that's also a sin. It's called gossip. Both of those words, you know what, you know what both of those words mean? If you don't have the evidence, shut your dang piehole. That's what it means right there. Those are two words. Slander or gossip is not relegated to one field or certain persons only. And all of it is serious sin before God. Let me me give you some examples. I love it. I do this because I love you. We we have to be careful. Because we can go home and be like, ah, uh," we see some company or van drive by and we're like, I heard that company does shoddy work. They do shoddy work. Do you have the evidence for that? No! that means at the very least what you've done is you've gossiped. At the very most, you've slandered. Both of them sin. Tom Brady and the Patriots were only good because they were big cheaters. That's why he went and played for the Buccaneers, so he'd show you that wasn't true. Again, no evidence, right? The point is, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Watch your mouth. We hear this from time to time. Your church is a cult. Not because they can prove it biblically, but because it's not what they believe or like. That person committed this sin or is lying or is unrighteous without possessing the necessary evidence. Again, all of these things. At the very least, gossip. At the very most or worst, slander. Here's another one. I disagree with pastor or pastor is wrong. Once more without evidence and... More because you don't like what he said. Again, release gossip. Unless you've got the evidence, slander. By the way, let me just say that one of the jobs that God has given to me as a pastor is the exposing and removing from his congregation the dissemination or belief in empty opinions or ideas. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 when he says we're destroying such things, does he not? And taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What is the obedience of Christ? Two or three witnesses. This is also mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 4 as part of uh, Timothy's pastoral instruction or mandate. We are to not be putting up with silly myths or as it is in the New American Standard, wives' tales. It's part of my job. It's part of my job to do that even some of what I'm talking about today, would fit into that category, right? Let me give you some more. Uh, Here's the types of things that would fall under silly myths or wives' tales. All debt is bad. All debt is bad. American brands are better or do more to help the American economy. Swear words are sinful. God's ideal... Here's the one I've been hearing recently. God's ideal is always that Christians would get married and have kids. Some of you want grandkids. Let's not be narcissistic, though. Some of your kids are thinking about not having kids. And that may change. I'm not here to tell them not to, but, but here's what needs to be considered. Seriously considered and pondered. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25-31, through 31, where Paul says, Hey, given the times, his particular time in this case, it'd be better if you didn't do either. It would be better. Let's just think a little bit about the context that we're in so that we're not stupid is as stupid does with our kids. What is the world that we're currently going into? And, and, and you know what? There, there could be a huge sea change. Uh, I hope for that. I, I hope that that's the case, that there is a huge uh, sea change. But think about where things are at right now, or maybe you don't know as it relates to a children having rights in the home. Maybe you haven't been keeping up on this. Eventually, it's going to be, if things continue in the direction that it's going, it will be illegal to make them do, think about this, do or be anything they don't want to do or be. Go clean your room. I want to do that. It will be illegal for you as a parent to make them do it. Or, 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 or better yet, mommy, I'm a boy, but now I want to be a girl. The whole uh, gender identity stuff. It will be illegal for you to tell them, no, you're a boy. Uh, yet you will have to provide for them for the next 18 years. <laughs> And by the way, by providing now, even in, according to Child Protective Services today, we've had, we had a case like this. Uh, that includes uh, making sure that they have something to brush their hair with, making sure that they have a pillow, making sure that they have toothpaste, uh, things that we wouldn't necessarily consider to be essentials, but it is essential, according to Child Protective Services, even today, to making them happy. And so now it's your job to make uh, the person in your house who does not have the right to listen to you, or rather you don't have the right to, uh, to tell them what to do. You are under obligation to make them happy for the next 18 years. That sounds a lot like parents becoming prisoners in the home the moment mommy gets pregnant. Is that what you want for your kids? Because essentially what you're telling your children is that uh, being a Christian in that environment means a lot of you are going to go to jail. Do you want your children to go to jail? You see, again, this goes back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25-31. through 31, And really pondering his particular context had uh, certain things that were very much in common with what we're dealing with right now. And for that very reason, Paul says, given the current circumstances. And again, that may all change. You did not hear me say today that I'm for your kids not having kids or I don't want you to be grandpappies and mommies. It has nothing to do with that. But watch your mouth. Think about these things. Don't just don't just uh, say what you feel or what you want. Moving on. Final point for today. Beware, this is a long one. Beware of the earth, wind, water, fire people. <laughs> now I didn't say the band. I didn't say earth, wind, and fire. I said earth, wind, water, fire. Earth, wind, water, fire people. Earth, wind, water, fire. Earth, wind, water, fire people. Beware of the earth, wind, water, fire people. Earth, wind, water, fire. Four things. Four elements. That's what it refers to, and it uh, specifically refers to what ancient people used to believe made up everything in the universe. They believed that everything in the universe was literally made up of uh, certain uh, numbers of earth, wind, water, and fire. So, for example, and I actually seen this, and, and and I can kick myself because I tried to go back and find it after the fact, but they actually had pictures of different animals, and then they had the parts that made up each of them. And I remember seeing a rabbit, so this is a guess as to how they broke it out, Uh, And and maybe we don't know, maybe this was somebody's just example of how they may have done it, so mine would be no different. Uh, But so they would take like a rabbit and say, uh, two parts earth, six parts wind, four parts water, one part fire. If you put all those things together, you'll get a rabbit. Uh, Now, we can laugh about that because we know that life, or we should know that life and solving the problems of life is often more complicated than that. Which means it can't be boiled down to something so simple as believing that everything in the universe is made up of only four elements. So what am I talking about? Uh, Well, people who think this way today, uh, again, people that I would call earth, wind, water, fire people, uh, are not only suffering from uh, what we've talked about in the past, the Dunning-Kruger effect, meaning that they think everything that uh, can be known can fit on their three or four neural pathways in their brain, uh, but also very dangerous since they are unteachable to expanding their understanding and tend to view anyone who teaches or believes things as more complicated, as untrustworthy, as untrustworthy, right? Earth, wind, water, fire people. They, they hear anything complex or complicated and they say, ah, oh, they're just making it more complicated to look smart. When in reality we know it just boils down to earth, wind, water, fire. You need to beware of those kinds of people. As I said, they are very dangerous kinds of people. You don't want to be that kind of a person. They tend to be very unteachable people. They don't want to expand in their understanding. As a result, these people are the ones who often end up rebelling against God's ordained authorities since they believe that they are the true smart ones and everyone else is just confusing things. They don't tolerate anybody who seems to make things more complex than they need to be. They're impatient with these kinds of people, and so that would include those in authority who, who actually know more than them. They, they, they know that it's more than just four elements. We must therefore again, not only beware of such people, but avoid becoming them ourselves. This is the fool in the Proverbs, Proverbs 182. Uh, a fool uh, takes no pleasure in understanding, and the idea they're expanding his understanding it takes no pleasure in that. Listen, it could be just boiled down to four things. Right? The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. Proverbs twelve fifteen. He knows everything there already is to know. He doesn't need to learn. So this is Proverbs twenty six twelve. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? And I believe that uh, who, who the the author is speaking of as this kind of a person, right? Because the person who's wise in his own eyes, that, that little idiom that we pick up in other places like Proverbs 3, what it refers to is a person who thinks they already know everything there is to know. There's no need to keep expanding my understanding of things. Which is really, as I've told you before, that's really what that word disciple means. It means to be a learner. You're a continual learner. Continue to expand and, 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 and change. They don't like that. You see, and so uh, they take no pleasure in that, and so everything they need to know, they 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 already know. They're they're wise in their own eyes. What does it say about that person? Well, there's more hope for a fool than them. They're worse than the fool. Probably the best uh, passage, however, to deal with these kinds of people is Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, a text that uh, we've talked about before. Here, Peter is uh, making reference. Uh, to uh, paul and uh, he says that uh, paul's writings uh, contain wisdom verse 15 according to the wisdom given to him as he does in all his others when he speaks in them of these matters there are some things in them however that are hard to understand they're they're complex that's really what he's getting at right they're they're complex okay it's not that they're not clear there's a big difference between saying something is uh, complex and uh, unclear something can be clear and yet complex the, the 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 antithesis to uh, complex is not uh, 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 clear it's uh, simple and that's exactly what peter's saying here there's there's things that are in paul's writings and what he says they're hard to understand they're complex which the ignorant and the unstable who peter's got in mind here by ignorant and unstable the earth wind water fire people you see These kinds of people, what do they do? They twist it to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, here's the beware. Take care. You're not carried away with the air of lawless people. People like this and lose your own stability. But do what instead? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow. Understand the complex things. Don't... uh, push against them or reject them again not everything can be boiled down to something simple there are spiritual truths that are complex and require patience and perseverance and teachableness to truly understand hence the reason that uh, i believe paul gives the instruction he does to timothy in his second epistle second timothy 4 two, preach the word with great patience and teaching there are a lot of things that are complex, and it means teaching them over and over again. And really, the patience is on both sides. The preacher's got to be patient in the process of teaching those things over and over, and the, the people have to be patient in the process of learning. Earth, wind, water, fire people, again, whereas Paul calls them the unstable and the ignorant, they refuse to do that. As a matter of fact, they refuse to acknowledge or accept that such complexity exists. And as a result, they end up perverting, or as he says, twisting the scripture and damning themselves or those who listen. Through their attempts, here's why. Here's how they twist the scripture. Through their attempts to make things simplistic. Hence the reason Peter calls for us to avoid such people or becoming like them. So signs that you may be or becoming this way. That this may be an item on your punch list that you need to change. By the way, I don't preach this stuff because there's nobody here that doesn't fit into that. There are people who are this way in this congregation. And it needs to change. Signs that you may be one of them. You think any explanation that takes more than 15 minutes is just somebody trying to look smart. You think any explanation that takes more than 15 minutes is just somebody trying to look smart. You say, well, that's not me, but do you fade out after 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think pastor makes things too complicated or is a blowhard taking way too long to explain something. You attempt to boil the complex things pastor teaches into simple things boil them down, rather than growing in your learning on that subject, right? You just want to reduce everything, again, down to four things or three things in your mind. Right? You're you're like the, you you, you hear me like uh, Charlie Brown hears the teacher under the peanuts, you wah, 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 I say, after about 15 minutes, it's just wah, 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 wah. Because you are, you just, yeah, 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 Here's how you deal with things. You, your way of dealing with people who are in sin is to tell them they are in sin and to knock it off. Right? We've talked about that. I've actually had people say, Well, they're, they're, they're in sin. Oh Thank you so much for telling me that. Wow. That's it. That's the way you deal with stuff, right? That's earth, wind, water, fire people. That's all it is. Your advice to every Christian brother or sister on living the Christian life is always the same simplistic one-size-fits-all formula. Something they used to say that would be related to this. Read your Bible and pray to keep the devil away. That's all it is. That's all it is. In other words, you refuse to get to know people and to recognize the genuine diversity or complexity that exists among them that may require a different or nuanced approach prescription this isn't to say that there aren't things that are simple don't hear me saying that if you do you just all the more validate that you are an earth wind water fire person but at the same time there are a lot of things that are far more complex and one of them and if we have any respect for human beings at all we should know this about ourselves we are far more complex and so it takes listening to that person and learning where they're coming from again going back to context Stupid is as stupid does. It's not a one size fits all. For these people, however it is, it's what is good for the goose is good for the gander. Right? If it works for pops, it's good enough for mama, it'll work for you, son or daughter. You see, that's the earth, wind, water, fire approach. Beware of those people. Beware of Becoming one of those kinds of people. The closing contemplation, then. Here it is the acronym YOLO. You only live once. You only live once. In other words, there are no second chances to get it right. no second life. It's not, you get there and Jesus is like, man, you really screwed it up. So I'm going to send you back. Right? I'm sending you back and uh, we'll see if you can get it right this time. No reincarnation. Right? One life to get it right. You need to get it right then in this life, now if you want to make it to the next. And by the way, for some of you younger people who think you, you have all the time in the world, uh, understand that the, 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 the stupidity of that kind of thinking is not uh, your, your, your understanding of time. You do have a lot of time, or, or we would assume that you, you have a lot of time. Uh, but that's not the issue. The issue is, is the habits that you're building now that will follow you through time. And understand this, if you get things right, it doesn't happen by accident. Never does. And yet a lot of people live that way. Some of you young guys, some of you young ladies. Well, I'll just kind of drift through life. There's that aimlessly, head's not in the game. It's okay, you know, just kind of when I get older, I'll think about that kind of stuff. It's like, it doesn't happen by accident. You, just, you, don't, you don't bump into yourself one day and start thinking. Right? Without a committed plan, you are planning to fail a committed plan, you are planning to fail. Failing is what you will do if you leave any of the items we discussed on your punch list. On your punch list. So get to work. Let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, we've had the opportunity to again talk about these things and I pray that that as uh, your people listen, they would they would hear their pastor's tough love for them. Father, that they would hear your tough love for them that they need to listen to so that they can be with you in heaven forever. Father, I pray that you would make it so, burn it into their souls to take the time and to be serious about these items that we've talked about on the punch list, if any are true. In relation to them. Make it so again in the name of our wonderful Savior. Who gave it all for us. In Jesus name.